Okay, so if you haven't heard the news yet, I've got a new book out called The Greatness Mindset. Unlock the power of your mind and live your best life today. It's coming out soon, and I'm pumped to invite you to be a part of the launch team for this book. This is a rare opportunity to get your questions answered and network with other champions of greatness in this exclusive community of conscious achievers. If you're ready to receive early access to the first few chapters of the book, behind-the-scenes updates from me, plus VIP access to bonuses and giveaways, then this is for you. For instructions about how to join this greatness launch team, make sure to go to lewishouse.com slash launch team right now. Again, make sure to check it out at lewishouse.com slash launch team right now. The breath that you just took right now, that's a blessing. But you know what? You're too busy complaining. I'm talking about self-acceptance. You know, accept yourself the way you are. It's never easy. I think the biggest obstacle is... Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Over the last decade, I've been able to interview some of the most brilliant women across all industries who've inspired me on my journey to greatness, and I know I have done the same for you. And I wanted to bring together multiple stories as we celebrate Women's History Month that have really resonated with me over the years. Can you talk about the importance and what you did to just overcome fear after fear and what that did for you, that exercise of overcoming them. So I'll tell you something. I'm talking about self-acceptance. You know, accept yourself the way you are. It's never easy. I think the biggest obstacle um, is a long list of fears, all sorts of fears, known, unknown. My biggest fears were three. They were my major fears. So I, I wrote them down and I said, you know what? I'm going to overcome these fears one at a time. My biggest fear was facing people. You know, and when I used to now, when I say this to the world that, you know, I was scared of facing people, people think I'm being funny, but no. And it's not the fact that I did not want to see people or I just hated people. That's why I didn't want to see them. You know, I was tired of, you know, those remarks like, oh, poor girl. You know, I was tired of being treated as a patient. Oh, how do you feel? I feel the same. Ask me more about what I'm doing in life right now. You know? And this, this mercy in their eyes that, oh, poor girl, that, that really, you know, that was killing me from within. And I said, you know what, I'm going to overcome this fear of facing people. And, you know, maybe one day they will understand that I'm okay. I'm okay the way I am now. I've accepted myself. So please, you need to accept me too, you know. And as they say that when you think about doing something, the universe conspires. While I was thinking constantly about how can I overcome this fear of facing people? How can I do this? I was going to the malls. I was doing groceries, but that wasn't enough. Out of the blue, 
I got a call from TEDx. And, you know, so the guy said that, you know, we really want you to come and share your story. And without missing a second, I said, I'm doing it. So that's how I gave my very first TED talk. And in fact, while I was giving the talk, you know, I was sharing my life story with the world. You know, there I was sitting in front of so many people and sharing my story thinking, what am I doing? You know, I'm literally becoming an open book and everybody can come and say Mm. things to me because, Mm -hmm. you know, here I am. They can judge you. Yeah, they can do whatever. Yeah. Of course. Right. But then I realized that maybe, you know, someone somewhere in the audience needs my words. So I'll do it for that one person. Mm. And then later that girl came from the audience. And in that moment, I realized that, you know, probably being speaker is my true calling in life, maybe. You know, then the other biggest fear was the fear of not becoming a mother. And I was constantly thinking about it, that, you know, how, how can I work? And then I sat down with my mother one day and I said, Mama, I want to adopt a child. And, you know, but I was scared, you know, being a wheelchair user, I said, you know, maybe, you know, it will be hard. And my mother said, I'm with you. Mm -hmm. We'll raise him together, you know. And so I said, can we do this? She said, yes, let's do it. And that's how. So I applied for adoption. I waited for two years, you know, and then one fine day out of nowhere, I got a call. The lady said, there is a baby boy. And would you like to adopt? I said, is that even a question? Of course, yes. So that's how Nile came in my life. And then the other biggest fear was abandonment. As we were talking earlier, what happens when people leave? Trust me, nothing happens. Mm. We are so scared of abandonment that, again, when you let go of all the extra people, you realize that you never, you never needed them. You just never needed them. You know, so have a good relationship with yourself and you will never be scared of abandonment. So when I overcame this fear of facing people, I became a speaker or whatever things I'm doing. When I overcame the fear of motherhood, I became a mother. You know, so that's what it is. Why do you think so many people are afraid to be alone? This is kind of like this fear. I don't want to die alone. I can't, you know, go day by day without having friends around me all the time. I can't be alone. I can't go to dinner by myself. I can't go to the movie by myself. I can't walk down the street alone. Why is there this insecurity or fear that so many people have? Because we forget that we came in the world with nothing and we live with nothing. We came alone crying. (laughs) And when we were born, we were in pain, right? And we were crying. That was the sign of life. Oh, the baby is alive because the baby is crying and the baby is in pain. And when we leave, we are alone. So many people have left. Life does not stop, right? We are designed because we are social animals, right? We human beings are social animals. We need to socialize. Mm -hmm. The problem comes. Problem is not with the relationship. The problem is the expectations that we have with our partners that my spouse has to make me feel good. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't. Your spouse is a human being too, fighting battles. You are doing too. Again, if you two are not complementing each other, your life will become miserable. Mm-hmm. And also, there's one thing that I've noticed. People are competing. 
I mean, two people in a relationship are not complementing each other. They are competing with one another. This is so silly. Yes. I mean, you are supposed to complement each other, you know, but you guys are competing with each other. And no wonder why so many people are so broken, so broken. Either they switch to the new relationships like that because, oh my God, what will happen if we are all by ourselves? Trust me, nothing happens. You know, this, this global pandemic has taught us a lesson. You know, and that is by the end of the day, we are all on our own. Mm-hmm. So if you want to heal from COVID, you have to live with yourself. And you know why people were so scared of being on their own? Because they have never spent time with themselves I know. for so long, right? And they were just so scared. But let me tell you something. Being a wheelchair user, I have spent so much time on my own mm-hmm. and it did not kill me. <laughs> so when you sit with yourself, you realize, oh, I'm actually a good company for myself. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. So you go, you meet people, you socialize because it's fun, but not because you need to do it, but because you want to do it. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. And I think there's this, um, you know, it's this thing where we shouldn't be abandoning ourselves. We don't need to be at an event or be in relationships with people if they are constantly toxic, like you said, or if they're making us wrong or bad, or if they're not accepting us. That's really a form of self-hatred if we keep putting ourselves in those situations and we abandon the love for ourselves, the boundaries we need to create to have the environment of peace and love and joy. So I think it's important for us to re- remember that. Like We don't have to keep showing up in situations where people are trying to hurt us. We can protect ourselves and not abandon ourselves. Yes, like Maya Angelou says, when people show you their true colors, believe them. Yeah, absolutely. Do not justify their toxicity. Oh, you know, my spouse is being overprotective. You know what, because because he's so much in love. No, Mm. that's toxic. That's bad. And it's only going to get worse, you know. So be be aware. When people show you their true colors, believe them. Yes. Why do you think, um, for people who might feel stuck in their life, uh, might feel some type of brokenness, whether it be emotion, emotionally or physically, and they say, I don't know how to go after my dreams. What advice would you give to people who are struggling to figure out what their dreams are and also how to go after them? First and foremost, we have this constant pressure of overachievement, thanks to social media. Why? Because everybody's posting about (laughs) something great. You know, I achieved this, I achieved that. Oh my God, hashtag global trotter. Wait, (laughs) I cannot afford to buy a ticket. I cannot go anywhere. What am I supposed to do, right? When you see people posting, rather bragging about what they have done in their lives every day, projects after projects, to question yourself. Am I doing enough? Am I good enough? Is my life meaningful enough, Mm -hmm. right? But let me tell you something. Social media is all about the good stuff. Nobody is going to post about their daily struggles. When I try to sit every day in the morning because my back muscles don't work, I fall back. Mm -hmm. Then I try to get up, I fall back. 
and it happens it continues so basically i start my day as a failure because i just cannot sit on my own without the help of my mother but my social media doesn't show that it's all about inspirational things right so please you don't have to be an overachiever every day yeah sometimes just waking up in the morning and not giving up on yourself is a huge achievement absolutely you know and i do it every day you do it every day we all do that so appreciate it and be kind to yourself yeah and you were talking about people dreaming i always say one thing that dreams don't work unless you do you know there is no such thing as overnight achievement no if it comes easy it goes easy mm-hmm. i can sit in the corner of the room and they dream all day long but nobody is going to come and serve success on plate right right so i have to be optimistic but i have to be realistic too i yes. need to work to get my dreams and that's it and what i have learned so far louis is the attitude of gratitude works wonders just be grateful yes. because you are way way better than many you know it is so powerful that gratitude has the power to turn what you have into enough you know gratitude will never let it will never turn your pain into suffering it will never right. you know and so be grateful for all the things that you have for the things that you don't have or you have lost just be grateful there's a for many years of my life i would get frustrated when things would happen right i i remember having a dream of being a professional football player and i got injured i broke my wrist and had a surgery and had to recover for about a year and a half which kept me from playing and living my dream and playing sports anymore and then i went through multiple breakups i had to learn the lesson the hard way many times in relationships you know just lots of things happened where i was like why is this happening why why is this breakdown happening why am i in pain why did this happen when i was a child all these different things and then i finally learned a strategy where people always say you know when you look back you can connect the dots hindsight is 2020 they say right you can look back and you can see why that needed to happen then when bad th- bad things started to happen i said you know what i'm going to look forward i'm going to have future hindsight i'm going to say you know what this needed to happen because it's helping me become a new person it's helping me let go of toxic relationships it's helping me get on a different path that will serve more people in my life and bring me more joy when you had this accident did you think about yourself in the future or when did you realize i should say when did you start to realize that oh this is happening for me because it's going to benefit more people it's going to bring me closer to my mission or it's going to help me bring myself more joy when did that happen for you it's rightly said nothing is happening to us it's happening for us uh-huh. it's all about perception right it's all about your perspective you know i cannot relate to that 21 year old who used to walk around i don't even remember louis how it feels mm-hmm. you know to stand on your legs wow i just don't feel it and if you can feel it you're very lucky you know health is such a big blessing and when i say that health is a blessing does not make me unlucky because i'm not healthy that way but all i know is that when i say rebirth it was a completely new me it was a totally different person and yes there are lessons there are mistakes and i always say that even wrong people in your life they become lessons 
bad times become lessons. Mm-hmm. Your mistakes become great lessons. And you learn, you grow, you improve. And that's what life journey is all about. Yeah. I've got a couple final questions for you. This has been inspiring. And uh, I, I can't wait to meet you in person one day. Uh, I have a couple a couple final questions for you. But I want to... I want everyone listening and watching to follow you. You've got an amazing YouTube channel. I love your stuff on Instagram. Um, your website, uh, munibamazari.com, and also your name on social media everywhere. But one thing I want to do is figure out how can, how can people see your art and purchase your art? Where can we go to learn more about this? Because I've, I've seen some of it online. I think it's really inspiring. And I want to send people to your artwork because I think it's beautiful what you create. Thank you. Um, um, well, you can just drop an email. I don't know. Do you, this is question it, came out it, of nowhere. So I was like, okay. <laughs> is, there, is there artwork on your website where people can purchase or where can we find yes, it? Yes, my artwork is on my website. So what you can do is if you have some queries, you can just send an email, askmunibamazari at gmail.com and my team will get back to you. Okay, cool. And can we, is there stuff for sale online right now if we wanted to purchase it or do you do just do custom work or how does it work? Uh, a lot of work is still available. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Yes. Okay. I, w- I want to send people to your artwork. I want you to, I want people to have more of your art in their homes or in their offices around the world. So thank you, Louis. Thank you. Appreciate it. Of course. It's really beautiful stuff. Um, this is a question I ask everything, everyone at the end of my interviews. So I would like you to imagine a hypothetical scenario that you get to live as long as you want to live and um, accomplish and achieve and serve in the way you want to serve to the world. And you get to live your life the way you want, right? But one day you have to go to the next place. You have to leave this earth. And for whatever reason in this hypothetical scenario, you have to take all of your work with you. This interview, your videos, your content, it has to go to the next place. So we don't have access to your information and this message anymore. It's hypothetical. But you get to leave behind to the world three lessons that you've learned from your entire life experience. And these three lessons is all we would have to remember your content by. I call it the three truths question. What would be, again, without you preparing for this, what would be those three truths or three lessons you would share if that's all you could share? Well, uh, I would want the world to know what real success is. Mm. Everybody wants to become successful. My definition of success is different. Success is not about how well people know you. Success is how well you know yourself. Ooh, I like it. So know your, just know yourself. If you know yourself, you are successful. And secondly, be grateful. Mm. I wish I could say it a thousand times, mm-hmm. but gratitude works wonders. When you are too busy complaining about what you don't have, think about a child who is suffering from thalassemia, mm. who is waiting for one bottle of blood and dreaming to have a life that you have. But you know what? You're too busy complaining. The breath that you just took right now, that's a blessing. Be grateful. Mm-hmm. We are sitting here having a conversation. So many people have left the world. 
We are still here. Be grateful. How important, you know, I'm a big believer in visualization. Ugh. And uh, obviously in The Secret, that's something that was talked about. I haven't watched Secret in 10 years when it right. came out. But I mean, this is something I practice as an athlete to visualize my results yes. before the game yes. would happen, to see myself scoring the touchdown yes. in the track meet. And I'm sure yes. you did a lot yes. of similar things. How important is visualization in abundance? Um, but then also how important is taking action? Right. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host so i have five visualization exercises in that book mm -hmm. just because it's so important visualization is a gift to your heart and your soul it's a gift because if the the idea is the seed visualization is the is the um, it's the fertilizer. Mm -hmm. It's the fertilizer because when your thoughts are connected with an emotion, see, you would visualize yourself winning and you would feel all the emotion mm -hmm. that came with that. And all you're doing now is you're not chasing a foreign emotion. You know the feeling. Mm -hmm. And now you're just doing what's necessary to get back to that feeling in real time. Exactly. And so what, what a good friend of mine, Vision, um, mm -hmm. who, uh, the CEO of Mind Valley, who you know, um, I, would, I did a visualization with him. We were in Bali. And um, he said to me afterwards, I never get emotional. I <laughs> he cried. does it. He right. doesn't get emotional. Right. He's like right, 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 super, right. yeah. Well, I, I, he was like, I cried. <laughs> I got emotional. He goes, I figured it out. It's visualization. A good visualization mm. brings in emotion. He was like, that's how you do it. And so um, I, I love doing visualizations mm -hmm. because, and, and it's real important in the visualization, you can't see it over there. You have to see it right here. To feel it. You got to yeah. feel it right here. Yeah. Like I am, it's all I am. I am. I am in my dream home. I am in my dream relationship. And then unpack what that looks like. But most importantly, unpack what it feels like. And when you have that that emotion in this moment all of a sudden you stir up something that i don't think will ever go back to sleep it'll go okay let's go get that and what it really does is it sets up a state of cognitive dissonance and cognitive dissonance is when you see something in your mind and you see yourself in a way that your behaviors are not currently leading to it. So your mind becomes disrupted and it goes, okay, can we get there? Right, because so, I'm not there right now. I'm not there right now and that's not comfortable. Your mind yeah, wants yeah. to literally be congruent. What it thinks is what you're doing. What it thinks is what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so when you set up a constant and abundant thinkers like you and I, mm -hmm. we do it unconsciously. Mm -hmm. We're we, we constantly keeping ourselves in a state of cognitive dissonance, meaning Okay, what else? And I'm seeing Lisa over there and I'm going, okay, let me go. While, while being grateful for my now. Yeah. It's not in that I'm going to be whole and complete when I get over there. I'm whole and complete now. I just know I'm supposed to be over there. So right, let me right. do what's necessary to get over there. And let me, mm -hmm. let me evict any behaviors or characteristics that are stopping me and let me adopt any new ones that I need. Right, right. How does someone discover their unique calling? Because you talk about that in the book, discovering your unique calling. What if people are like, I don't even know what I want. I know I want to be 
uh, out of the place I'm in. I want to be right. abundant, wealthy, right. healthy, great right. relationships. Right. But I don't know what my purpose or calling right. is right now. Right. I think that people put uh, too big of uh, a notion on purpose in that they think that it has to look like uh, Nelson Mandela or Mother Teresa or Oprah or uh, you or mm. I. And, and a lot of times what you're really good at is right in front of you. Mm. What you're really great at is right in front of you. And to recognize that your calling and your purpose can change. Right. That it can change. You have a long lifetime. It's not going to be the same calling the whole time. And so allow yourself to evolve. Allow your purpose to evolve. What's that thing you do effortlessly that you give no credit to? Because you're, you're, you're just looking past. Oh, it can't be that because it's not hard. Well, how about it doesn't have to be <laughs> exactly. difficult. How about the fact that you're a great listener? How can you take that and, and use that and expand it? And, and don't compare yourself to someone else. Comparison. I think Benjamin Franklin said comparison is the thief of all joy. It's all when you look left or right, you know, people are always comparing me to Oprah Winfrey or Yana Von Zahn or or Les Brown or Tony Robbins. I said, listen, I will if you want me to give you Oprah or Yana or Tony or Les, I'm always going to one thousand percent fail you. Mm -hmm. But if you're ever interested, I do a good Lisa Nichols. Yeah. And so when you look at what are my gifts? What are my unique gifts? I knew very early on I was a gifted speaker. I wasn't certified as a gifted speaker. I haven't passed any courses as a speaker. Matter of fact, the last time I took a speech class, I got a D minus. Mm. And my speech teacher told me, Miss Nichols, I recommend you never speak in public, that wow. you get a desk job. That was in my freshman year of college, the last speech class I took. So a lot of times your gift and your purpose, you've discounted it. Either because someone else discounted it or what's more common is you don't know how to monetize it. Yes. And sometimes the greatest gift you have to give is not for fee. It's for free. You watch people like you and I and go, well, why can't I get paid for it? Well, not every gift you're supposed to get paid for. Nelson Mandela did not get paid mm -hmm. for leading 27 years when he got out of prison. He got paid after that. But he was a great leader while he was in prison. Mm -hmm. And Martin Luther King, he was a he he got paid from the church. But his right his fight for civil rights, that was a free one. And he paid the highest cost. And you can go on and on and on to the, some of the greatest leaders. Mahatma Gandhi. It wasn't a paycheck. Right. And so, and I'm not, and, and I know we're scaled down to our version, mm -hmm. but don't get attached to having to get paid for your gift. Right. Yeah. I started this podcast as a way of, I'm going to do this for free for a year. I'm not going to take any sponsors. I'm right, not going right, to do right. anything. I'm not going to sell anything. I'm just going to create and facilitate great conversations. And, and that's it. And now the, the money is coming in right. because of how it's impacted people's lives. And your intention but, was in the right place. Yeah. But I wasn't like, how can I do this right now to make money? It was how can I serve the maximum number of people? That right there, that when people live in a place of servant mm -hmm. leadership, my grandmother said when I was 24, if you leave and how you, how can you serve the most people? When I sit with my team, I go, how can we serve more mm -hmm. people? How can we serve? Last year we were able to touch 30 million people. Wow. How, and that's all our question. Now, as we serve, our platform gets brought up. But how can we serve? Don't tell me how we can make more money. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested how can we serve more? Because if I do the right thing for the right reasons, mm -hmm. the, everything I need will be a byproduct of that. Exactly. So yeah. I think we get caught up in, you know, society allows us to have us, has us looking at possessions. And so we begin to measure our joy and our abundance on possessions. Mm -hmm. I, I have a friend who's worth, he's worth $14 billion. Wow. How do you even write that? I had to write it down so I could see it. Maybe zeros is that. Right, yeah. right, right. A lot. He's worth $14 billion. I checked my email on my phone before we started, and he's on my phone asking me, please come visit me because mm. he's lonely. Mm. He's rich. 
but he's not abundant. Yeah. He flew from Canada to, to come to my house for New Year's just to be around people who were celebrating and wanted nothing from him. And so don't pursue the things. Pursue the acts of service and everything you need will come. I promise mm -hmm. you. Yeah, that's powerful. Let's talk about the four E's. What mm. is this principle of the four E's that you talk about in your book? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, so there, I, I like to break up my life in quadrants and I mm -hmm. help my students. I do a lot of coaching. I do personal development and professional development coaching. And no matter where you come, where you come to me, whether you come to me for personal development or whether you are, want to turn your passion into profit in this professional development and business development for entrepreneurs, we go over the four E's mm -hmm. because abundance is holistic. It's yeah. a holistic experience. So the first is enrichment of self that you are only going to go as far as you think you're worthy. Mm. I can push, you can push, you can, you can have the greatest product, but if you don't feel worthy, you will work hard to sabotage that mm. relationship. You, are, you don't know Every you're doing you it. You, right. <laughs> you don't know you're doing it. You just think these are the things I need and you're driving that guy away. You're mm. driving that woman away because your self-worth says they weren't going to stay forever anyway. Or um, self-worth around money. You have a cap that you feel like you're worthy of a million dollars, you will always get to 999000 mm -hmm. and you will stop because right. your self-worth says it. So enrichment is number one. What's a good exercise or process that we can follow on a daily basis, maybe something simple, to enhance our enrichment Absolutely. and worthiness? Absolutely. I did this for six months, every single day right after I brushed my teeth. And, and it's the ICU exercise. And you get in the mirror now. It's not necessarily simple because <laughs> you're dealing with yourself. Of course. And as complicated as you are, we'll, we'll be the degree well, the of the mechanics of it are right? simple. The mechanics are very yes. simple. Yes. I appreciate that distinction. <laughs> um, you get in the mirror and you complete three different sentences. You want to write this down. The first sentence, you look at yourself and you say your name. So you say Lewis and you complete this sentence. I'm proud that you. And find seven different things every day to mm. celebrate yourself for. Seven different. Each day you can do the same thing you did the day before. But each day do seven different things to be proud of. Mm -hmm. The second sentence is going to knock you down a little bit. It's going to come from your gut. Um, Lewis, I forgive you for. And cut the shackles to blame, mm. shame, guilt, regret, and anger. In that sentence, you cut those five shackles, not the first day, maybe not the third day, but by the 21st day, by the 13th day, you'll feel some relief. So, Lewis, I forgive you for and go back five years, 15 years, 20 years. Do that. I forgive you th for that thing. Don't nobody know about. Mm -hmm. But you go ahead and cut those shackles because right. if you can still think about it, it's still in your energy space. Yeah. And then the third sentence is, Lewis, I commit to you that. Before you make a commitment to anybody else throughout your day, you make seven commitments to you. So the first sentence is, I'm proud that you, you're celebrating yourself first. We are under-celebrated as a, as a society. We look for acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. they, inter they interviewed 100 executives that all made over a quarter of a million dollars and said, would you like a 5% raise next year or would you rather be told thank you more often? 100%, 100% said, keep your money. I'd rather hear thank you. So we're under-celebrated. But first, mm -hmm. celebrate you. Yeah. Be the example. When I was on Oprah, when she said, what do you do? I said, I recognize that I'm the example of how the rest of the world is supposed to treat me. And it's my job to give the world the best example of how I like to be treated. Right. So celebrate yourself, forgive yourself, cut the shackles, and then commit to yourself before you commit to anyone else. That right there. Mm, powerful. That right there will begin to fill your cup up. Mm. to get to your saucer. I love that. Where did you start to learn that process? Was that something you just started mm -hmm. to practice yourself and started looking in the mirror and s trying different things? And you, boy, you asked the question. <laughs> um, 
I was in a relationship, engaged to be married, and mm-hmm. it became abusive. I was emotionally abused, and then um, he picked me up and threw me three feet across the room mm. and choked me until I passed out. I don't tell a lot of people that. Um, and I was suffering with post-traumatic stress disorder. And my mother asked me to go to the doctor, strongly recommended I go to the doctor, mm, drug me to the doctor. Wow. And after the assessment of me in Manhattan Beach, um, my doctor said that I was clinically depressed. And I, I said, how did I get here? Me? That don't even fit with my name. Mm. I was head cheerleader at my high school. I was, I was the captain of the track team. I was, I'm always the person to get people going. It didn't fit. How did I get here? I don't know if you've ever found yourself saying, how did I get here? I was sitting on the table in the doctor's office saying, how did I get here? And when she wrote me the prescription, she handed me the prescription. And I read the prescription, and, and it said, Lisa Nichols Prozac. Hmm. It was like I was looking at a foreign statement, my name and Prozac. And I asked her, I said, can I try something for 30 days? Because I, I realized I was just sad. Mm-hmm. I lost me. I had lost me in him. I had lost me in being a mother. I had lost me in being the mother of a son whose father was in prison and trying to hide that shame mm-hmm. and then trying to make this man happy and then beginning to fend for my life. I lost me. So I needed to discover me. I needed to remind myself who I was. <clears throat> and so I just realized I, I didn't celebrate me. I, I was beating myself up. I was really mad at me and I was showing up for everyone else. So I just made up these sentences mm. and I did it to rescue myself, to turn my crawl into a walk. And I ultimately was able to turn my crawl into a walk and my walk into a run and my run into a sore. But mm. it started as a, as a crawl. Mm. So I don't offer the how I got to that exercise often unless someone asks. Thank you very much, <laughs> You're welcome. my darling. Thanks for sharing and, yeah, I'm and not, opening I, up. I, I've, I've, uh, I've, I've long since <clears throat> learned four things. These, to me, this is the road to true freedom. I have nothing to prove. Mm-hmm. I have nothing to protect. I have nothing to hide and I have nothing to defend mm. that your perception of me after I tell my truth is actually none of my business. My perception of me that I go to bed as whole and complete as I woke up before I check how many likes I have on Facebook <laughs> that I like me first mm. and every other like is bonus. There you go. Like it. That was a long road to get to long sure, road, Sure. long road. Yeah, and we probably have to constantly be reminded of it, you know. And then when to I get in that place, and then when I when I live like I'm forgetting, you have to have accountability partners stashed in the corners of your life, mm-hmm. and you have to give them an assignment on your high day. Yeah. You have to give them an assignment on your high day. If I look like I'm slipping, yeah. well, my ego's in the way. Get in my me. face. <laughs> get in my face. Check me. Right. Get in my face and remind yeah. me of the man, yeah. of the woman I said I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Don't let me off the hook for yeah. the 2020 version yeah. of me. Because we're humans. It's going to happen. Man. As long as we're breathing, we're going to be out of integrity at man. some point. Come on. Yeah. Your humanity's going to get in the way. Your exactly. ego, or ladies, mm-hmm. your she-go, is going <laughs> to get hooked. Exactly. Absolutely. Your resentment, your, Absolutely. Lean, your, your smallness, everything. just yeah. smallness. It all fits exactly. in smallness. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm human. Yeah. I, and so I, I'm the best thing I did was to keep people around me to yeah. hold me accountable to the woman I said mm-hmm. I want to become sure that's great I love that that's why I have a lot of people from the Midwest who 
who work with me on my team to support me, keep me grounded. Right, right, yeah. right, right, right. Like, don't get too Hollywood. Exactly. Dude. Don't get caught up in the lights and the cameras and no. the daggone headset. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Okay, enrichment. That's the first part. Uh, the second part is enchantment. Relationships are going to define the quality of your life. Mm-hmm. When you're on your bed on your last days, you're going to want to know who's going to be around you. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, you're not going to care about another podcast. No. You're not going to care about another sponsor. I'm not going to care about another with. book yeah, or yeah. the freaking New York Times best. It matters to us now. Yeah. But the relationships in your life are going to determine the quality of your life. And so mind your relationships. And mm-hmm. so in the book Abundance Now, I teach you how to how to heal broken relationships that matter to you. How to get back level set. I give you this great um this great tool um called um it's a it's a it's a a conversation to heal a, a broken experience. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's called a communication charter. I use it in my company. I use it at my house. Yeah. And um so just is about how do I keep great relationships? And then the third area is engagement, work engagement. You're going to spend so much time in work and we're so emotionally attached to our work. And most of the time people are attached in such a dismal way Mm -hmm. that why would you have that dismal energy around something you're going to spend so many hours in? So I teach you how to shift your energy toward your work so that you no longer look at it as your work. Now it's no longer your JLB. Like everyone in my community, all everyone in my tribe, they no longer say they have a job. Mm -hmm. They say, I have an investor. And when you look at your job as your investor and you really rename it as your investor and it's investing in your breathtaking future, it has the capacity to buy anything you want for your future. If you mind your money, right? Right. Right. It can buy your freedom. And all of a sudden, you start treating your investor better, and you're more excited about going. Matter of fact, you're grateful. You're grateful for your investor. It doesn't feel like work. Man, my investor was L.A. Unified School District. Mm. That was a hard place to be when it was a job. (laughs) I'm just telling you. But as an investor... For three and a half years, I wrote myself a check and I put in the memo line funding my dream. I didn't even know what the dream was. I wasn't even clear. I just knew whatever my dream was, it was going to cost some money mm-hmm. and I needed to pay. And I need to have some money to pay. And that if I was going to ask other people to invest in me, I had to be my first investor. Who am I to ask someone to put money my way when I didn't put money my way? Right. So I wanted, to ma- I wanted someone th- for them to match. Just match my investment in me. I got 10 in. Can you put 10 in? Mm-hmm. I got 20 in. Can you put 20 in? And so when you look at your job, your work engagement as an investor into your breathtaking life, all of a sudden there's a different energy around it. And then the last one is money endowment Mm -hmm. and to recognize more than the Dr. Seuss family and the Disney family and the McDonald's family and the Lawrence Welk family has a right to an endowment. When you get the understanding and I really unpack it here where you kind of go, what? Like I'll I'll make you do a couple of Scooby-Doo looks in the book. Like (laughs) when you look and go, I can do an endowment. Like I, because we think it's for them. Remember, mm-hmm. I started this conversation with abundance is for those people over there, especially when it comes to an endowment or a living legacy, like in your book, and yeah. be a, create, creating a legacy to recognize that, wait a minute, there's a Lewis endowment and a Lisa endowment and a Don and John and Tanya endowment and, and fill in the blank here endowment. Mm-hmm. And I need to live my life to set up my endowment. Mm. All of a sudden you become responsible for generations to come Mm -hmm. responsible for changing the trajectory of your family's life. That's some bold stuff. When in your lifetime, you do a needlepoint move for your family. In my lifetime, I was able to do a needlepoint move for my son. Like he's a Nichols child. He's one Mm. of many Nichols men. 
but that's a Nichols man who now knows what it feels like to cook in Italy and in Tuscany and in, in Florence and in Venice and in Rome. That's a, that's a Nichols child who knows what it feels like to go surfing on the Gold Coast of Australia. Mm -hmm. That's a Nichols child who understands what it feels like to stand on the tallest mountain in Africa. Mm -hmm. Like his life. I asked him this morning, I said, Jelani, can you, when you get married and have children, can you stay in California so mommy can really see her grandchildren? Mm -hmm. He goes, well, mom, that's kind of restrictive. <laughs> it's restrictive to stay in big California. It's like, mom, that's kind of, because he knows the world. Yeah. His, his paradigm shift has occurred. Mm -hmm. He won't ever live like another, and he'll take everything he's learned and expand the Nichols male child experience. So in, in my generation, in my lifetime, I was able to change our family experience mm -hmm. for him. And so I, I believe that we have a right to look at our legacy. You think you could have been as successful on your own no. or without the team? You need a team. Yeah. You absolutely need a team. And so it goes with everything that you're doing, whether it's in business or sports or whatever, you know, you can't do everything by yourself. Right. So surround yourself by people that will help you. And, you know, my coaches were amazing. I had the best ski technician in the world, Heinz. He literally was just as invested in really? my success as I was. I mean, if I, when I won, he would cry, you know. That's and beautiful. It was great. And, it, you know. Did you cry too? I cried because he was crying. It was like a thing. <laughs> I'm like, Heinz, why are you crying? You're making me cry. Um, and, you know, he would, he was so nervous when I crashed. And, it, you know, like, it just feels really good to know that someone's that invested in mm. what you're doing and they're putting just as much effort into what they're doing to make you succeed as you are. Yeah. It's just like me working in the gym, you know, he's in the ski room tuning my skis for hours on end. And a lot of people don't know that about ski racing. It's your equipment is a, is a huge part of your success. So if I didn't have him, if I didn't have my coaches, if I didn't have my physical therapist, Lindsay Winninger, who helped mm. me get back from all my injuries, you know, if I didn't have like all of those people, I couldn't do what I did. Right. So, team is everything. Um, what's the greatest lesson your coach taught you? It was my uh, coach from Minnesota, um, the ninety-six-year-old. He said, "When I, was, I think it was like ten or 11, um, he said, "I'm fast the way I am, so don't change it." So a lot of people at that time in my career try to change my technique. Mm -hmm. And even my dad was like, you know, this isn't, she's not going to succeed if she stays like this. And he's like, no, this is her natural talent. Stay with what you, what you, what you have. Don't try to be someone else. You know, mm. you're fast the way you are. And so I kind of, you know, morph that into life as well. You know, it's like you are who you are and that's what makes you special. So stick with it. That's beautiful. That's a good lesson. Right? It's a beautiful lesson. Yeah. And how, how do you deal now and how did you deal with negative thoughts? Did they fester for a while? Did you have a technique that allowed you to get out of it into more positivity? What did you do? Mm, I mean, I think journaling helped, yeah. you know. Um, honestly, like skiing was the best outlet for me. It's therapy, huh? Yeah, and which was why it was so hard to retire, you know. Which is why then, you know, COVID, sitting there with your thoughts, not ideal, but ended up being great. Um, yeah, I mean, I think social media was at times really difficult, you know, really? because other people would say negative things about me and that would kind of creep in. And I wouldn't necessarily always believe it, but it's still kind of, it's like there, you know, it's like a little mm. mosquito and it's like, Annoying do people you. actually think that about me, you know, and it kind of adds a little bit of, of doubt in there. And um, it's not always the easiest to get rid of those negative thoughts, but um, I try to focus on 
again, like, what makes me happy? Why am I doing this? I'm not mm. doing it for other people. I'm doing it for myself. Yeah. Um, and, you know, everyone's going to judge you. Everyone's going to there's always going to be people that say bad things about you. But, you know, when the lights are off and you go to bed, you know, it's just you. And are you happy with yourself? And I think that's the ultimate question. If you can be happy with that, then you're good. Who cares what anyone else thinks? Amen to that. Um, there's a great um, speech by uh, Matthew McConaughey where he talks about his hero is 10 years away from him. He's always chasing his hero when he won the Oscar, I think it was. He said, I'm always chasing my hero who's 10 years away from me. We talked about your 10-year-old self. You're, you've had a couple of years of transition now. I'm curious, in 10 years from now, where do you see yourself being and what advice do you wish your 10-year-old your 10-year-away self would give you right now? I have no idea where we'll be in 10 years. <laughs> like, I don't know where we'll be in 10 days. I know, it's crazy. I, and I, I, I really like not knowing it. I, you know, I used to really mm. try to, I'm a planner, and I like organizing and like knowing what's going to happen and like planning as far out as I can. You're always scheduled. You got events, yeah, you got training. I, yeah, yeah. It's always a schedule. Um, and I kind of really like not having mm. as like, you know, um, as tight of a schedule as I used to have. Yeah. And so I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, hopefully I'll have kids and, mm. you know, 10 years is a long time. You know, I'm, I'm 36 and that's, you know, I don't know. But I, I know that I have a lot more to do yeah. and and that's really exciting. I think the same is, you know, when you ask me mm -hmm. what would I tell my 10-year-old or 16-year-old self, I wouldn't say anything because I have to have those experiences mm -hmm. and... I'm excited for them, you know, good or bad. I think, you know, it's just a part of the journey. And so far it's been great. So I feel like. <laughs> just keep it one day at a time. Keep it one day at a time. Keep it simple. And when do you feel the most loved when you're doing what? Hanging out with my dogs. Yeah. They love me no matter what. Isn't that, That's the best feeling ever. Isn't it incredible? That's why I have three. I'm the crazy dog lady. Oh my God. It's not crazy. Well, I have one cat. So I'm the crazy oh, cat dude. Oh, yes. That's where I draw the line. Because <laughs> I travel Cats. so much. I travel so much. <laughs> and cut. <laughs> She's a good cat. She just relax. She's like a little dog. She like lays That's next good. to me. She just like purrs on me. I think I'm scarred for my mom's cats. They're crazy cats. No, yeah. you need a chill cat. You need a cat that's like a dog. They're like place fetch and yeah, no, nah, nah, nah. no, it's not. Yeah, so my dogs are the best. Like nothing like well, you know, having a Ben and Jerry's. Oh, with my three dogs watching Law and Order. The pizza, ideal. Man. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's when I feel the best. What is something about yourself that you are most proud of that most people don't know about? Um, I don't know. I feel like everyone knows everything about me, <laughs> sometimes way too much, <laughs> um, that I'm most proud of. Um, I don't know. I'm most proud of my family. Just mm. like, you know, I think I'm really lucky to have you know, siblings that are, you know, as great as they are. And, you know, I'm really proud of, you know, where everyone's, how far everyone's gone. And I guess that has nothing to do with me. But at the same time, mm. I don't know, I feel like. We're all a unit, so yeah. I'm proud of them. It's oh, beautiful, yeah. And what about your biggest fear right now? Mm, I mean, I had a lot more of them a couple months ago, but I feel like... What were they a couple months ago? Well, you know, I hadn't really processed, like, you know, retirement. retirement yeah. So I guess now I'm, I don't know, I'm just kind of happy not knowing. 
what's going to happen, mm-hmm. you know, where I was a little bit nervous, you know, what was going to happen before, like, you know, where's my career going, you know, what, what's life, what's going to, you know, just, because, you know, as much as I have things planned, nothing's really planned. Right. Right. So, I don't know. And your fears now? I don't know. I kind of, it's, I guess it's similar to skiing. Like, I don't really, I try not to think about any, like, I don't, I never had fear when I was skiing. And I think I'm finally in a place where I'm, like, very present in the moment. That's and beautiful. I'm not thinking about, you know, what could go wrong. I'm mm. just thinking about what opportunities are there. That's beautiful. And what is the question you wish more people would ask you, but they don't ask you? How are you doing? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm great. Thank That's you. Good. How are you? <laughs> people don't ask you that enough? Like, a, in a general way. Like, yeah. you know, it's like, how are you feeling? Mm. Like, I don't know. People, it's like... There's greetings. We're like, right, hey, right, what's right. up? You know, how's it going? But it's like, actually, how are you feeling? Mm. Like, are you happy? You know what I mean? Like, I have a few people that say that, and those are my friends. Not many people ask you how you're feeling. No. Again, next time I'm at an event and you're by yourself, I know what to do. Exactly. <laughs> I know what to ask you. you. I'm, gonna, I'm coming up to you. I'm going to ask you how you're feeling. I'm pretty simple. Yeah. But yeah, those are, I think those are really important things. Who is the person in your family that is taught you the biggest lesson? I'm sure they've all taught you something, but what's a lesson that really I mean, everyone's out? taught me something. I think, you know, my my grandfather and my dad taught me, you know, about toughness mm. and, you know, what it really means to, you know, sacrifice and work hard. And I think those are incredible traits that, you know, not a lot of people have. And, like, I have a really good understanding of what it means to sacrifice. Mm because they, they had such a great example for me. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think my sister, Karen, really kind of has been, she's just helped me be like a person. Mm. And that's awesome. A human being. Yeah. I'm like, that's been great. Not the athlete and not the no. competitor or the personality. Right, and that's the one thing I love about my family, which, you know, is why I talk about them so much, is just because they're, I'm always me, you know? So uh. they always... You know, it doesn't matter what I do. I'm always, you know, going to be me, and they always treat me like that. What is the self-talk you do internally? If you don't have a mirror, if you're yeah. not alone in a bathroom, <laughs> what's your process that you say to yourself? What are the reminders? What are the mantras, meditations that you think about before that? It always helps me to voice it um, whenever I'm insecure. I either I'll write about it mm. um, somewhere. Or I'll speak to somebody who I trust, my mom, my husband, my best friend. Um, But I find it easier to talk about it. So that's why I have a healthier relationship with my insecurities, Mm. because I take away their power by discussing them. Um, I choose not to live with them alone in the dark recesses of my mind, because then they become monsters. And then they become really, really large. And, um, and they're usually not real. Mm. So it's always been very helpful to me whenever I'm feeling crazy or insecure or afraid, or even if I feel like I've made a mistake. My dad told me this when I was very young, when I was you know, 16, the first time he sat me down and he gave me a glass of champagne. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, you're 16. You know? You're going to have a glass of champagne with me. You're going to do it anyway. 
He was like, and he told me, he was like, whatever happens in your life, you should feel free to be able to do it with your parents. There's nothing to hide um, from us. Um, I'll always be in your corner. And, you know, he told me that about feelings. I always had the freedom to talk to my mom or my dad as a kid about anything I was feeling. At least to my father, I wouldn't discuss the boyfriends, but with my mom, she was like my best friend. She knew about every... Um, you know, object of attraction that I ever had. <laughs> you know? And I think that that sort of gives you um, the sense of confidence to be able to talk about it. And I just think it's a great first step to get rid of insecurities. I'm just a big believer. I love everything you're saying. And I'm just a big believer that if people really listen to this and understand, take it in what you're sharing, that it's hard to achieve anything without confidence. You could have the greatest experience, totally. you could have the greatest degree, the skills, you could have the family, you could have the money, like you could have good looks, whatever it is, you could have the stuff, but if you don't know how to build confidence when it matters, it doesn't matter if the world believes in you, if we don't believe in ourselves, nothing's gonna happen. And but the reverse. world won't believe in you exactly. if you don't believe in you. And I, I think like as, as someone in the public profession, you know, my job is to be entertaining and be confident and in every step that I take and in every move that I make. But I think recognizing that confidence is not something we are born with. It's, it's a skill. It's like, you know, it's a muscle almost. If you think of it like going to the gym and, you know, to, to have muscles and to be in shape, you got to work at it just like the vocal cords people the greatest musicians in the world they use you know their their vocal cords they do riyas like we call it in hindi but which is um warm ups and stuff like that so confidence to me is like that you start you using that at a very small level um everyday life you know when you're in school there were times when i was in school where i used to take the other hall um, hallway because i didn't want to bump into someone else when I started high school, by the time I was in 11th grade, I was walking in the middle of the hallway. <laughs> you're strutting around, you're getting people moving away, yeah. I was like, excuse me, excuse. I didn't even have to say that, I was just walking. Because, and that's the same person, but I think that in any profession or any aspect of life, confidence is, perception is reality. Most people believe that, right? You know that how people perceive you is what they think reality is. So give them something perceivable. Mm. <laughs> Amen to that. What would you say are three things on a daily basis that you do to build confidence that you think anyone could apply for their life, even if they feel like they have no confidence? When I wake up in the morning, I take time in the bathroom. Like I, I shower, I will, you know, pick the outfit that I'm feeling today. I will, um, you know, sort of doing my makeup and my hair sort of helps me uh, or my skincare routine actually at night helps me be sort of introspective. Otherwise through the day, I'm very erratic. I have, you know, multiple balls in the air. Um, mm -hmm. Professionally, I'm doing a lot of things. I'm always behind on time. I'm always playing catch up. So at the end of the night and the beginning of the day, I really give myself some silence. I play music and, you know, um, I put my creams on and I really think about what the day is going to be like and how my first step outside the room is going to be. When I take that first step outside my safe space, it sets the tone for my day. So I try not to have it be erratic or scary or like, you know, if I'm late and if I'm running, 
that always sets the tone for my energy through the day. So I try to really, you know, start my day on the tone I want to have and the confidence I want to have. And at every given step during um, the day, I remind myself of the things I have instead of the things I don't have. Mm. Like insecurity comes from a lot of it. Sometimes I think comes from, Oh my gosh, I don't have this. It's not good enough. Or I'm not good enough for particular scenario or a particular situation or you know we start judging ourselves and this was another lesson actually an activity that my mom and I used to do is we used to count our blessings and you know me and my husband do it too whenever we're feeling crazy because our schedules are insane we're you know always in different parts of the world um we do that we count our blessings about just five things that whenever you're feeling sort of crazy and unstable that um you know, you have that you're really grateful for. And I'm not even saying this superficially. This was um, like truly an exercise. No matter how badly off you are, someone else is worse off than you. That makes it so easy to count your blessings. I mean, especially watching this uh, this latest movie that you're in. I mean, White Tiger. It, right? I've, been in, I've only been to India once. I went there four years ago and studied meditation in Chennai, uh, for a couple of weeks, but I went to Delhi and, you know, kind of traveled around a little bit. I didn't see everything, but I saw a lot of, uh, dark things and a lot of things that were constantly reminding me, wow, I have a lot to be grateful for every moment. So I think it's important to have that perspective in our lives that we always have something to be grateful for. Even when it's the darkest time, there's something to be grateful for. Absolutely. And that's so empowering. That to me is my greatest mantra is you know, truly and tangibly do it on your fingers, do it like just five things. Um, and it's, it's a great exercise to do with someone as well, your kids, your family, you know, um, anytime it's just like five things. And then you have to just say, rattle it out. Um, the yeah. five things that you can think of at that point. But, um, you know, the, the crazy part about the white tiger is that it's based in India and you probably reacted to it because it's, it's shot so authentically. Mm. But if you think about it, the majority of the world lives in those conditions, you know, and um, the socioeconomic divide that exists right now is only increasing. Mm. Like even the sustainable development goals have been set to eradicate extreme poverty because it's such a big problem. There's such a large population of the world. And we as privileged society, we as privileged people, anyone who has a roof above their head and, meals um, on their table is privileged and as privileged people like that's something that's our concern um you know there's a large generation of children who don't have a choice in their future or in their lives they don't know if they can have aspirations or dreams and um how desensitized are we when last time you know you've driven past a homeless shelter and you've not even looked at it or a homeless person and not even looked at them it's the desensitization that we as people who have, um, and that's the differentiation between the have-nots. But mm. it's also a reality, and it's a reality every, everywhere in the world. I don't want to give away the whole movie. I want everyone to watch it because it was really powerful and, uh, and inspiring to see uh, someone come from you know, poverty to essentially become uh, you know, an entrepreneur and be successful in their own way. And the, the story is really powerful. But you took on a role that is 
I found fascinating because that's probably not, I don't know if that's how you would react in real life because I know you have such a giving, grateful heart, caring about humanity, but your character does something that's very controversial. And uh, you essentially, from my opinion, don't take accountability. Mm, yeah. uh, and and how, how did you feel doing a role that is probably against your morals, your values, and the way you live your life right now? I never judge my characters, um, you know, like I never judge people mm-hmm. live and let live. Each person is individual to their decisions. And if I started to judge, I would never be able to play bad guys. And I love playing bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think what was most interesting for me when I was playing Pinky is she's an American. You know, she, and I'm an Indian who's grown up in India and understands the complexity of the diversity of that country. There is no one India. There is multiple Indias and you can spend your whole life trying to get to know it and you'll still never know her. Mm. So this is one aspect of India that is showcased in this movie, but it's also, it's more than that. It's the story of this one man and everyone else from his perspective. So it's not us looking at him or the country. It's him looking at all of us saying, oh, you know, and especially with my character, she's woke, but she's fake woke, right? She's (laughs) one of those girls who's like, why don't you pull yourselves out of your circumstances? I, my parents worked in a bodega, you know, and I pulled myself out. Why don't you do it? He doesn't have a roof over his shoulders. His, par- his family doesn't have food. It's a completely different complexity that most woke people don't have the ability to understand, including me. I lived there and I can't claim to understand it because, you know, I um, have had um, you know, basic lively life rights uh, since I was a child. I've been to school. I've had an opinion um, about where my future is going to be, choices. Um, and that's what's so amazing to me about this movie was that I, I leaned into playing a character that was fake woke and, you know, pivoted when it wasn't convenient. Me and my husband both mm. uh, in the movie, not my real husband. Right, right. Um, my ca- the character in, my, um, in the movie, both of us sort of like were like, this is not the right thing. But, you know, when it wasn't, when it was inconvenient, we kind of stood back and watched. And that's a very human testament. Mm. Which is why this bo- this movie, which was originally a book by Arvind Diga, um, which came out in 2008. It was a Man Booker Prize winner. It was a um, New York Times bestseller. When this book came out, that's exactly what it did. It was such a human sort of transcript, human behavior, you know, flawed, mm. not black or white, living in gray, all of them living in gray, which is truly how we live. And it's sort of, self-reflective it's in it it should make people feel introspective and think about the last time we behaved like that Mm. um plus it's clever and it's sarcastic i sarcasm is my favorite language so i really enjoyed the tone of the movie as well (laughs) speaking about sarcasm was it pretty easy for you to to uh (laughs) to step into that character living in la then with all the uh woke fake woke people here (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I will say that I, I may have been inspired by my surroundings just a little bit. (laughs) I'm curious, excuse me. I'm curious about, um, your evolution as a, a woman in this industry, typically younger women 
are more desirable for opportunities in their late teens, early 20s. And it's like when you're 26, 27, it's almost like you're old as a woman and you may not be the young, sexy one anymore or something in this industry. How do you feel after getting into your late 30s now? How have you evolved personally to not allow that stigma to hold you back from being who you want to be, from accepting yourself, from loving yourself, from innovating and reinventing yourself that you've done so many times. How do you not let that stigma hold you back? I can't say that I don't. I just am hoping that it doesn't happen to me. (laughs) You know, we live in a world where anything is possible right now, as we've seen in the last few years, a few months, years as well. Um, And I, I think that I remember when I was in my, when I was 28, Um, my mom sat me down one day and she said, you know, um, you, (laughs) girls have a shelf life and you're reaching that where, you know, the older boys, um, they're always looking for the younger girl to act with. And even if they're in their fifties, you know, they're still going to be working with 20 year olds, but you're going to be old and you need to think about a business. Um, if acting opportunities stop coming your way. That's how I actually started my production house Wow! because I was like, you're right. What if I'm like, I need to be financially independent in my life. But at the same time, while this was happening to me, I recognized that innovation and reinventing who I am, even for me, is so important and being true to the craft that I'm doing and the, the service that I have to provide, which is my job. So I started trying new things. I started wanting to grow. I didn't want to stagnate into doing the same kind of roles. I didn't want to stagnate in, you know, similar kind of parts or even languages and borders. And I did music. I was signed as a recording artist to Interscope where I met Bose. Mm -hmm. Um, I pivoted from that into television that I'd never done, English language TV. Then I moved into features in America Now I'm producing in India and America and acting in both these countries, which are two of the greatest movie industries in the world. But if I sat down to think about the glass ceiling that was built for me, um, I would never have a trajectory powerful enough to break it. Wow. Because I didn't make that glass ceiling. So I don't want to think about where it is. You know, it's been made by other people. So you just kind of have to have, you know, speed and run towards your end game and, you know, have a goal and be ambitious and fuel that ambition every Mm. single day. What is the end game? (laughs) To have a legacy. I think I want my um, children to be proud of, you know, the, the legacy that I've had. I want to be hopefully, you know, part of, um, you know, the history books of entertainment where I may have contributed to the arts in some way. Um, with the work that I have done or the work that I create or the work that I will do. So I want to be able to, as a woman, you know, um, leave a better world for the girls after us, like the women before me did for me. I don't think about voting today. I don't think about driving today. I don't think about aspiring to have the same job as a man. And all of those fights Um, were fought by women that came before me. So Mm. it's my responsibility and our responsibility as a generation to leave it better for the next one. So those are broad strokes of my end games. (laughs) 
And what, I mean, I'm sure you get this question a lot. I'm just curious because my audience is a lot of high achievers. They, they're big dreamers. They're going after what they want. They're learning the skills, the tools to become more confident, more, more giving, all those things. It sounds like you're doing everything all at the same time. How do you navigate intimacy, connection, love with, you know, you know, your husband, your family, your friends, the people that matter the most to you? How do you navigate relationships with such a busy full plate? It's not easy. Um, you know, there's not as much FaceTime as you would possibly want. But I, when I made the deal with the devil about, <laughs> you know, running at this fast pace many years ago, I realized that there would be sacrifices that are required. And, um, you know, when you have, there's no free lunch in the world. And when you have ambitions, you've got to sort of pay for it. And, mm. um, but I overcompensate or I try and compensate um, with making sure even if I don't have FaceTime or if I've like for a very long time in my life, I missed, um, you know, birthdays and Diwali and New Year's and I would always be working and all I could do was apologize. And my family always understood because, you know, I was I was working at something. But um, I think that uh, I. I, I made sure that I always call. I never forget birthdays. I will always call on a birthday. If I go to a city, even if I can't meet someone, my family, my friends, I'll make sure we FaceTime. We'll call. I, I'm very, it made me very thoughtful about the people I love. I love loving the people I, um, that I care about. I love making them feel special. And I love being empathetic. And I, I, I think it's very important um, to leave the baggage of the job behind when you walk into your house and just be true to what you're feeling. I think it's, it's important to choose relationships when you're really busy because we can all be caught mm -hmm. up in life. And, you know, life is like a really fast river. You know, you don't know what the currents are going to be because it's just moving. You don't know what you're going to bump into because it's just moving but you have to choose to hold on to something when you want to take a breath, right? Just mm -hmm. like that, you have to choose to hold on to a relationship, whatever that might be with your children, with your family, with your parents, you have to make the time and you have to tell the people you love that you love them. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and it inspired you on your journey towards greatness. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's episode with all the important links. And if you want weekly exclusive bonus episodes with me personally, as well as ad-free listening, then make sure to subscribe to our Greatness Plus channel exclusively on Apple Podcasts. Share this with a friend on social media and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts as well. Let me know what you enjoyed about this episode episode in that review. I really love hearing feedback from you and it helps us figure out how we can support and serve you moving forward. And I want to remind you if no one has told you lately that you are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. And now it's time to go out there and do something great. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.